live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. You listen to this weather forecast. Matter of fact, I was watching one of the TV stations last night. I think it was Channel 12. They really want to predict a monster snowstorm for Friday and Saturday. You, you can just tell. They want to do that. But after the bust forecast last weekend, there's probably news directors saying, well, we, we can't say this because we looked silly last week, and, and, and so we, we've got to hedge our bets. So I'm not changing any of the plans I have for this weekend. And candidly, I, I hope... If there is a snowstorm coming, I hope it moves and changes its direction and things like that. But you, there's all these weather forecasts around town who are a little bit gun-shy after the, the bust last weekend. But I, you can just tell they are itching to say we're going to get whooped by a snowstorm Friday into Saturday. But they just don't think that they can pull the trigger on it quite yet. We will see. A number of years ago, there was a book called How to Lie with Statistics. And, and it's a really interesting read because it, it really says you can find numbers that can support almost any theory that you want if you look hard enough. And we're seeing that play out with the Milwaukee trolley, the, the, the hop. Now, over the last, what, you know, year and a half or so, <clears throat> what, what's happened is when you look at the, the coverage in the mainstream media about the hop, what you've seen is, oh, the, the forecast, the, the number of people that are riding the hop have exceeded what the projections were. So it, it, it's a success. And I think at the beginning they, they predicted like 1,850 rides a month. Well, first of all, that's true and it's not true because the predictions were based on the fact that people were going to have to pay to ride it. We know that that's not the case. So far, what they've done is they have made it free. The reason they do not charge for the hop is they realize that even if you make people pay a dollar to ride it, the numbers are going to decline dramatically. So as long as you've got it it free, you know, I think it's impossible to tell whether or not you're really exceeding expectations or not. Because like I say, the expectations, the predictions were based on people having to pay. And we now, I think the officials pretty much acknowledge that if you make them pay, people aren't going to ride. Okay, but but that that's all well and good. Okay, the new numbers are out for December. And it, it's interesting to me because, like, I'm looking at some of the headlines. Streetcar ridership up in December. And it's a classic example when you see that headline of, of, again, how to lie with statistics. Is it an inaccurate headline? No. Because here's the deal. In November, what happened was that you, you had streetcar ridership that fell just, I mean, it, it just plummeted. They had like uh, about 1,700 rides in November, which were, that was about 25%, 28% 
less than the November before. And, and candidly, the way I think the only way to make sense to evaluate things like like ridership is not to look at a month by month thing, but it's to look at a year by year thing. Okay, how many people wrote it in November of 2018 versus how many people wrote it in November of 2019? And that'll tell you whether long term ridership is, is growing or not. You compare apples to apples. So Comparing November of 2019 to November of 2018, there was a 28% drop, which isn't necessarily surprising because there was the newness factor that that was there. So the headline now is streetcar ridership up in December. And that's true to an extent because in December, what they had is they had 1,977 rides per day. Okay, that's up when you compare it to November. So month to month, it is up. If you look at December to December, though, how many people rode the thing in December of 2018 versus how many rode it in December of 2019, it's down dramatically, 19.5%. You know, almost 20% fewer people used it in December of 2019 than did in 2018. Uh, you know, a pretty dramatic drop, about 500 rides per day, uh, approximately. So, yeah, if you want to spin the hop as this great success, you could say, look, it, it, it's up from November to December, and it is. It, it is. But year to year, it's down, like I say, it was all down almost 30% in November, down almost 20% in December. So if the idea is this thing is catching fire and all these people are jumping on it, et cetera, et cetera, that's just not the reality of it. So, yes, when you see the headline, streetcar ridership up in December, yeah, it's technically true, but you got to put an asterisk by it, and you got to recognize what they're comparing. If you compare apples to apples, year to year, streetcar ridership is down. And my guess is, at least during the cold weather months, those numbers are going to continue. It was interesting when they were talking about that the news channels were covering the the partial derailment of one of the, the trains the other night. And they were interviewing a couple people, and, and they would say, well, you know, do you ride the hop? And one guy says, yeah. And they said, well, young guy said, what, what do you use it for? Well, my friends and I, we, we like to go bar hopping, and, and sometimes we'll take it to go bar hopping. Oh, okay, that, that's great. And somebody else said, well, I just kind of ride it to sort of get around. But I'm, I'm thinking, okay, when you think of all the things that we could spend $50, $100 million on, we're, we're spending money so that some millennials can go bar hopping. Huh. You, you, you do wonder why some of these people on the Common Council might be a little bit, might have a little bit of a difficult time going back to their constituents and explaining why the city of Milwaukee is underwriting, oh, paying for young people to go bar hopping when I think we've got some other problems in this city. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I confess I was not going to watch the entire thing. Did not attend the Trump rally last night, but I I did. I I put it on. It was on one of the CNN channels or the C-SPAN channels, whatever it was. And I admit I I got drawn in. I watched almost all of the president's appearance, speech, performance, etc. in in Milwaukee last night. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Were you at the rally last night? Did you have a chance to watch it or listen to it? And what was your reaction to what you saw 
and what you heard last evening. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you happen to be at the rally, you go to the top of the line. Um, like I say, I watched on TV. My guess is perhaps the experience was different if you were actually in person in the arena. We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Did you watch it? Were you there? What was your reaction to what you saw and heard? If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I was not personally at the rally last night. I did watch almost all of it on television were you there? Uh, my guess is, looked to me like the place was essentially packed. So that would be nine, ten thousand people, and there were a lot of people who were waiting outside who did not get in. Let's start with Tyler in Waukesha. Tyler, you're on WTMJ. Tyler. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Yeah, I was at the rally. I was at the rally last night as a volunteer. Uh, we got there pretty early in the morning and uh, waited for. Uh, Secret Service to sweep the area, and then finally we were the first ones actually in the building, and uh, it took it took a while just because the security screening takes forever for the Secret Service. But once the place was fully packed, I think uh, the place was very excited. Everyone was very respectful. Uh, people from all walks of life were there, and uh, it was, you know just watching it. To count up, you guys got the the full perspective of just how loud some of those chants were yeah. whenever uh, uh, you know yeah. Trump was making his remarks. But also, I think. With the national figure being here in Milwaukee, it really they can help bring attention to the local politicians here in the in the state, and uh, he did that by bringing up a lot of prominent conservatives and Republicans onto the state. And I think that was probably the most important part to me right. for uh, his presence here in Milwaukee was to wake people up for the um, the Duffy's and uh, uh, Justice Kelly's of the state. Right. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, clearly, I mean, again, my sense, and, and if you're at a if you're at an event, I say this about sporting events all the time. If you're at an event, the, the feeling of being in the crowd is different than than watching it at, at home. And I I I got this sense that there was this incredible energy and this this vibe. Um, all right, here's a couple of texts. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I had a blast at the rally yesterday. Police were well-organized. I thought Trump was pretty funny, which I wish I could have gotten in, but the overflow lot with the screen was good. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, that, that to me was one of the telling things, that there were hundreds of hundreds of people who couldn't get into the arena because it was already full, and, and they they stayed. Now, by the end, I, I think the crowd had kind of dissipated because he went on for, gosh, it seemed like about an hour and a half or so. But um, it was clearly one of these things where, you know, people people wanted to see him. Okay, here's a text. Jeff, the brainwashing and cult mindset was extremely scary. I was on board before, but after what I saw last night, I want nothing to do with this. Well, I... I, I perhaps question whether the texter was on board before the ugly name calling and how vulgar these people were. Um, I hear people were more Trump than pro America party or constitution. Very scary and slippery slope. In my opinion, I was on board, but after last night, I'm out last night. I felt hate, not pride. Hmm. All right. Is that a fair criticism of people that were there last night, that you're racist, that you're haters, that you're misogynists? 
Uh, tough for me. Jeff, my family and I started watching it on TV last night. I heard some good things about the economy. Then we heard a lot of trash talking and nonsense dishwashers. Even my 14-year-old son thought he acted like a child. Ended up turning on the Bucks game that was much more family-friendly. Um, you know, I, 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 was, I was watching this because I've had the opportunity to meet most of the presidents since President Reagan um, and, and I've had the opportunity to see them speak. There is no question that President Trump is decidedly different than anybody who's come before him. And and, and I, I do I, I, I the thought I was having last night is, first of all, he is a master showman. I, I You know, he, he's just a master showman and he knows how to work a crowd. I you know, from the perspective of like content, I'm used to speeches that have beginnings and middles and ends. With President Trump, you kind of get the feeling that it's all this sort of stream of consciousness stuff that that goes on. And it's just maybe there's an organization, but you do get the idea. At least I get the idea that, you know, whatever. It, you know, whatever pops into his mind, that's kind of what what he's going to to say, and it. I guess my comment would be, it works. I I was just I was kind of shaking my head at some of the stuff, and I was thinking, boy, I, you know, I thought that maybe after four years he would be more focused, and, and you'd have again purposes and directions and beginnings and middles and ends, and, and that wasn't the case. I mean, there, there's no question about that. But at the same time, the the audience that was there. Lots and lots of people in the audience that was outside. And my guess, a lot of the people that were watching this, he he was giving them what they wanted. And he's able to connect with the audience in a way that, I don't know, some presidents have been able to and some presidents haven't. And, And that's clearly, you know, one of his strengths. Let's talk to Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I was just on, um, I kind of agree with the last guy, but I was watching it live on YouTube and people were able to comment, you know, so the live stream was through Fox. And the problem was, was you had a lot of people going for him for a minute there, but then when he got onto the odd conversations that just went on and on about water and even toilets and how he goes into And the shower heads and the faucets. Yeah, and people just all of a sudden, it just was like 67,000 people were logged in watching live on that, and all of a sudden the comments just went to crap. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, I, I think... Like, this, ain't, this ain't what we want to hear out of them right now. We need to hear a lot of other things. And not necessarily go on for about, I think it was 15 minutes about that. Right. Well, I guess that's interesting to me, Chris, because I'm wondering that I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks for the call, because one of the things I was again, I, I'm watching this at home and that, that's the kind of the digressions that I'm talking about. I I'm wonder I, I admit that when he kind of went off on some of the stuff about like the low flow toilets and the, you you know, you, you can't get your hair wet and all that stuff. And you, know, you can't. And I, I was thinking, huh, that that does sound like sort of this, again, the, the stream of consciousness stuff that you, you say just whatever comes into your mind. And, and that was kind of my reaction watching it at home as somebody who, who's over the years given a lot of speeches. I'm thinking, OK, tighten this up. At the same time, I was wondering how that plays if you were watching it live, my sense was it perhaps 
plays differently than maybe if you were watching it on TV. Jeff, I was there. I waited in line for three hours, and I was one of the last to get in. It was electric. We brought our son, and I'm glad we did. Jeff, I was at the rally. It was fascinating to be there and experience. Truth was spoken. I'm grateful for the opportunity to attend and experience. No doubt I left motivated to vote in November. Wide range of people. I was surprised by the large number of young people. Jeff, another text. It was wonderful. The Trump fans were well-behaved, and they were very civil. And that chicken they had set up, I thought it was from Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, interesting. I, again, I, I think you know, these things appeal to the base. There, there's no question about it. But let's, let's be honest about this for everybody who just has this disdain for the president. If Joe Biden had tried to stage a rally like that at the Milwaukee um, Arena or Elizabeth Warren or, I don't know, Bernie Sanders – would 10,000-plus people have crammed in and another couple thousand people waited in and watched it in the cold on the TV? I, I think not. So love him, hate him. you got to understand that the Donald Trump, he's tapped into something in America, and some people kind of just might, might not like what he's tapped into. But anybody who says, okay, that this president's not going to get reelected or people aren't going to vote for him, maybe you're going to turn out to be right. But I, I think you downplay expectations at your own risk. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Last night was the final Democrat debate before the Iowa caucuses start. And I, I actually admit after after the Trump rally ended and once I saw that the Bucks were ahead by 20 or 30 points, I, I checked in on the debate. And I, actually, I happened to tune in at the moment that I think everybody had been waiting for. And the Sanders people, by the way, are livid at CNN. They are livid with CNN and the way they handled it. If you haven't been following this. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are essentially competing for the same segment of the, the Democrat primary voter. It's kind of sort of the far left. You know, Sanders acknowledges that he's a socialist. Elizabeth Warren runs away from that term, but she pretty much is a, a socialist in all for all intents and purposes. So they're, they're competing for the same type of voter and vote. Elizabeth Warren has not been getting traction. Um, I, I think... You know, Bernie Sanders, if anything, if you look at a lot of the polls, Bernie has been, I, I don't know, not, not only has he not faded away, Bernie has, has been gaining a little support. Last week, the Des Moines Register came, which they do a poll, which is kind of the gold standard for Iowa. They came out with a poll that showed that Bernie Sanders was in first. Everybody was close. Everybody was bunched. But Elizabeth Warren was in fourth place. And I think that had to send shockwaves through the Warren campaign. Now, Elizabeth Warren is a fighter. Don't I mean, Elizabeth Warren, I, I think, believes that she is right, that she is the face of the person who's going to she's going to she's the person that's going to save this country from our excesses of capitalism or whatever. And she's not going to go quietly into the good night. But. Her, her numbers, despite the fact that she gets glowing coverage in the New York Times and that you have the ladies on The View that fall all over themselves fawning on Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren, for a variety of reasons, is not connecting with the voters at this point in time. Doesn't mean they can't, but, but she's, she's not. She's in trouble in Iowa, if you believe these polls, and she's not getting a lot of that traction. So what she did where she decided that she was going to play the gender card. 
And the last couple days, she's gone negative in her own little way. She came out, first of all, by attacking Bernie Sanders because she said that they some of his volunteers were using the script when they were making calls saying, hey, Elizabeth Warren's a great progressive, but, you know, she, she's not going to bring anything more to the party than the left-wing Democrats. Elizabeth Warren got all upset about that. Oh, this is mudslinging, etc., despite the fact that it's probably true. And then what she did is she said, well, I had a private meeting with Bernie Sanders in 2018, and he told me that a woman, you know, couldn't be elected president. All right. Now, this is something this is a meeting that she supposedly had like a year and a half ago, hasn't made any mention of this at all. And interestingly enough, that she decides to bring this up after, well, she's trailing in the polls. Now, it's to me, it smacks of opportunism. It smacks of desperation. So then what happens on CNN at the debate last night, the CNN moderator, a woman says, well, to Bernie Sanders, did, did you say this? He says, I didn't say it. Then he goes on and says, hey, you you know, that would be an incredibly stupid thing for me to say. I mean, I, I thought Hillary Clinton was going to get elected last time. There's YouTube video of me from years ago saying, of course, a woman could be elected president. No, I didn't say this. So then... Then they do a follow-up. Let me be really clear. Did you say that to her? And Bernie Sanders says, I did not. So then they go to Elizabeth Warren, and the question is, when he told you this, what did you think? And it's just, I I mean, again, it's this, you've got the mainstream media and the left trying to unite to try to to boost the, the Elizabeth Warren efforts. Look, I sent out a tweet on this earlier. I, 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 I'm not a fan of Bernie Sanders, and I'm certainly not a fan of Elizabeth Warren. But these last-minute allegations, you know, when you start trailing in the polls, well, I had a private conversation a year and a half ago that I haven't made any reference to before, and, uh, you know, it turns out Bernie Sanders is a sexist who doesn't think that women can get elected. All right, to me, that smacks of desperation. And I don't know what was said, but... My guess is that Bernie Sanders did not specifically say, hey, Liz, you know, you can't get elected president because you're a female. Somebody's somebody's lying here. And my sense is it's got to be Elizabeth Warren. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You have this fighting that's going on here, and you have these allegations being thrown around. To me... This is indicative of Elizabeth Warren feeling desperate that her campaign, at least at this point in time, isn't gaining traction. Do you believe that Bernie Sanders would really have said something like that to her? I have a hard time believing she's telling the truth. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, from an outsider, I I admit this is extremely interesting. You've now got the the two progressive candidates, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and now they're in a you-know-whatting match. Elizabeth Warren is not gaining traction, and I I think this is starting to be a sign of desperation. So she's accused Bernie Sanders of running a negative campaign, and then it's this mysterious meeting that they had a year and a half ago. We had dinner, and Bernie Sanders, and I've never mentioned this to anybody before, but Bernie Sanders said that he didn't think a woman could get elected president, and Sisters of America unite. Now, of course, this is running into a lot of problems because Bernie Sanders has a lot of female supporters. Bernie Sanders is on record, and I'm not a Sanders fan, 
But to me, it's more interesting. This is less about Sanders, and it's more about Elizabeth Warren. And what I see is this flop sweat and desperation because this has never come up before. Plus, you know, they find all these clips. I mean, Sanders has made no bones over the years about talking about how, hey, you know, of course I think a, a woman could win. Here's a text, Jeff. It's guaranteed Elizabeth Warren is not telling the truth. I don't care for Bernie Sanders at all, but I I could not see him saying something like that to her. Um, right. Here's a text. Jeff, Bernie probably said something like Trump might win against her in a presidential election. Um, I guess if you try hard, you could twist that to mean a woman can't win. It's elementary school arguing level, basically. Right. It, it, it just it just is. And it tells me, again, that the Warren campaign is the Warren campaign is in trouble. Now, that's not to say that they might not be able to turn it around. But to me, this is a semi desperate attempt to try to bring in very liberal female voters. Oh, Bernie Sanders is this evil old man that hates women, and and you've got to support me. Now, interestingly enough, if the Democrats were to unite around Elizabeth Warren, there's a new Marquette University Law School poll out that is just dropping as we are speaking, and it says that Candidly, if you believe these numbers, and we're still, this is January, the election's not until early November, but if you believe these numbers, the best thing the Democrats could do would be to nominate Elizabeth Warren. All right, so here here's the deal, and, and it's interesting, and surprisingly perhaps to some, that this poll contains what I would argue is a lot of good news for the president. Um, his job performance, 48% approve, 49% disapprove. Okay, so it's about 50-50. In December, it was 47%, 50. In January of 2019, it was 44% approve, 52% disapprove. So um, he, he's picked up a number of points, and, and now it's within the margin of error. He's right around about half the population approves in Wisconsin, half doesn't approve. All right, but that's a lot better than he was doing. In, let's see, let's pull out the numbers. They do the head-to-head polls. And again, I, you know, people don't believe polls, but, but that's fine. I think if you look at this, if you, they, they're asking about like foreign policy and, um, his approval rating for the way he's handling foreign policy, 44% approve, 53% disapprove. Now, you might say, okay, that's not good, and you're underwater by nine points. But over the last two months, his approval rating in the poll has gone from 37 to 44%. Disapproval has dropped from 59 to 53%. So more and more people are saying, hey, we, we think he's doing a good job when it comes to that. The Marquette University Law School poll says, all right, if the election were held today and you were voting in the Democrat primary, which candidate would you vote for? Biden, 23%. Sanders, 19%. Buttigieg, 15%. Warren, 14%. So Elizabeth Warren, if you wonder why some of these challenges and arguments are out there, she's running fourth in Wisconsin, if you believe these polls. And again, it, it's all bunched up, and I understand people are skeptical of the polls, but it appears that you know Bernie Sanders is emerging as the top choice of, uh, again, of the progressives. 
interestingly, if you if we assume Biden and Buttigieg are the moderates, you add their level of support, you put those two together, it's 38%. You put Sanders and Warren's support together, it's 33%. I mean, I really do think this is going to come down to a two-horse race at some point in time. And more and more, it's starting to look like it's going to be Biden and Bernie Sanders at the end. Um, now, things can, things can change, of course, but that's kind of the way it is now. So, okay, head-to-head matchups. If the election were held today, what does the poll say? Who how, who would win Wisconsin? And as we've talked about before, for for President Trump to be reelected, I think he's pretty much got to win Wisconsin. You can you can come up with other other ways that you get to the two hundred seventy one votes you need to to win the electoral college or two hundred seventy, whichever one of those numbers it is. But but Wisconsin and the ten electoral votes, I, I think especially for President Trump, it, it's a key. So, you know, they say, okay, what are the head-to-head numbers? All right, here are the numbers. If the election were held today, Biden leads Trump 49% to 45%. Sanders and Trump essentially tied. Sanders 47%, Trump 46%. Trump leads Warren 48% to 45%. Trump leads Buttigieg 46 to 44 percent. So all of those are are within the margin of error. But right now, um, the strongest candidate against Donald Trump to win Wisconsin would be would be Joe Biden. And I, I think that's that's it. I guess the bottom line of this is it shows to me, if you believe these poll numbers, how fluid the race is. Forty eight percent approval, forty nine percent disapproval. Shows Wisconsin very split, very polarized. All the candidates, the head-to-head matchups, all close, all within the margin of error. Um, Republicans overwhelmingly approve of President Trump, 92 to 8 percent. Democrats overwhelmingly disagree, 91 to 8 percent on the other side. Yep, it, it's it's all out there. Bottom line of this is that very, very close very, very tight election, a long way to go. But if you want to look at the takeaways, Joe Biden would be the Democrat candidate most likely to beat Donald Trump if the election were held today in Wisconsin. Bernie Sanders, supported by more people than Elizabeth Warren. Bernie Sanders appears to be capturing the left, which is why, going back to where we started this discussion, this is why I think you have um, Warren starting to get a little bit desperate in some of the things that she's saying and that she's doing. So, you know, here's the here's the bottom line. Very close election. A lot of stuff to happen. That's why you're going to see a lot more candidate appearances. You're going to see a lot more. My prediction is you're going to see a lot more Trump rallies over the course of the next 10 or 11 months. No question about that. And on top of that, I don't think whoever is the Democrat nominee is going to make the mistake that Hillary Clinton made, which is that assuming that Wisconsin is in the bag for them. So I think you're going to see a lot of Democrat activity in Wisconsin over the next 10 or 11 months as well. Fascinating to watch this all develop. New Marquette University Law School poll. The take is... We remain an extremely split state. The election is very much up for grabs, and we'll be here to talk about it over the course of the next 10 months. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
So, Melissa, do you know who Lizzo is? I I do. Okay, Lizzo yeah. is a, a very she's ten- a rap artist. Well, sort of. Yeah. yeah, she was. I mean, she was at Summerfest last mm-hmm. year. She's thirty-one years old. Um, her, her real name is Melissa Vivian Jefferson, but she's out of Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and she was at Summerfest last year. People might remember because it, just the performance was just crowded. But she created a controversy because she was screaming at some security guard who she I said remember that. roughed up a couple of her. I, I, some of her entourage right. or whatever, and we, you know, it, it's all kind of faded away. We never exactly yeah. understood what happened to that, but it, but incredibly popular. She plays, um, she plays the flute. I that think, is the well. that is the strangest part. Yeah, right. she's, she's, she's flute, yeah. she plays the flute on stage, and and very very popular and, and incredibly incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. She is also, and and you have to be careful in today's society, as Jillian Michaels found out about going down this route. But she's also. She's a big girl. She's she, a large. She, she's a large she, woman. She's a large. But you woman. know what? The thing is, that the people really like her because she's she's large and she she owns it. Well, it, well, exactly. Which which is kind of what the story. So she's she's large. She's 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 heavy. I mean, and mm-hmm. you know, and it takes nothing away from her talent and whatever. But to your point, she's been very very. Um, aggressive and upfront about like dealing with body shaming issues. I, I'm, I, this is who I am. This is what my body looks like. I'm not going to apologize and nobody should judge me. That, that, that's kind of correct. It. That's right. And, and she's to an extent sort of been a, create herself as a role model for other young women or women in general who might, you know, have that, that same body they have type. body image struggles. We, right. And we stuff we like have that. nothing to apologize for. Just, just own it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's the background. Now, do you know who Jillian Michaels is? I do. Yeah. She was on The Biggest Loser for quite a while. She's right. a fitness expert, fitness right. guru. Yeah. I- exactly. So, right. Biggest Loser, all that. Well, she's doing th- this interview last week and she, she gets off uh, on talking, she goes off on this tangent talking about Lizzo and she says, why are we celebrating her body? Now, this is a response to the, here, I'm large, own this. Why are we celebrating her body? Why does it matter? Why aren't we celebrating her music? Because it isn't going to be awesome if she gets diabetes. I love her music. My kids love her music. But there's never a moment where I'm like, gee, I'm so glad she's overweight. You, you just made a face. Well, I'm cringing just because I think she, I understand what she's saying, but I think she could have maybe said it in a way that was a little bit more tactful or a little bit more sens- like sensitive well, to the well, subject. Well, this generated the, the whole thing about, you know, then the huge backlash and you had people like Whoopi Goldberg who were just, uh, you said, okay, this is, this is just nothing but, but bullying. And, you know, and how dare Jillian Michaels, you know, say these types of things. And Jillian Michaels' response was, look, I'm, I mean, the the reality of this conversation is that, um, you know, the the world, the world has become, as what she says, so politically correct that we've gone so far as to glamorize obesity, and I think this is where things can become unsafe. And so th- this controversy has gone on, yeah. and she really hasn't backed down. She said, "Look, I'm I'm sorry if this got personalized with this particular performer, mm-hmm. but I I don't celebrate people being overweight. It's not healthy." This is this is not something that, you know, we should aspire to. Well, I think it's interesting because you and I have both been on sort of a health journey where we're trying to get yeah. fitter, trying, you know, my body's never going to be perfect, but at least I, I'm trying to m- be healthy, right? You try right. to make the best decisions that you make and and I I get what she's saying. I do. Well, I, I mean, I, I mean to, yeah, to your point. I mean, I've 
I've lost over the last six months or so. I mean, I, I've I've lost around twenty pounds yeah. or so. Yeah. And I I I tell you the truth. I feel better. My my numbers and all the different things and blood sugar and that stuff they, they've gone down. Um, and I, I do. I mean, I feel healthier because just when I do all these average things, I, I there, there's 20 pounds less of me <laughs> that, I'm, that yeah. I'm dragging around. So, I mean, I, I do feel healthy. I didn't have body shaming issues, but it, it is true, as, especially as you get older. OK, if, if you're carrying around a lot of weight, it's harder on your joints. You've got the problems that but we uh, that adult onset type two diabetes is a huge problem with people in this country. And, you know, you got to deal with it. Well, and I'm probably <laughs> Lizzo is probably um, and I can't speak for her but i'm sure she knows all this stuff too right that with you know being overweight comes all these issues as well so i don't know i mean i understand what michaels was saying jillian michaels was saying but um i mean okay well this is the launching but i want to yeah. open up the phone lines our numbers are 855-616-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line now look i i don't think it's ever appropriate to body shame, to, to make make fun of people because they're too heavy or they're too thin mm-hmm. or because their teeth aren't straight enough or because yeah. their ears are too big or, you know, what what whatever. And I understand in this Internet world that we live in, you know, especially when it's people in the public eye or celebrities, they get a lot of that stuff. And, and I understand that I don't think it is ever appropriate for that. And interestingly enough, some of the people I think who are probably the biggest offenders, the trolls sitting in mom and dad's basement, who are doing that, well, okay, they wouldn't look very good either if, if they had to, you know, stand in front of cameras and all that. So, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the sensitivity to body shaming and, and things like that. A- at the same time, okay, this woman's a fitness trainer, and, and what she's saying is we, we you know, we, we can't let political correctness get in the way of common sense. And, you know, there are there are healthy habits, and, and we, we shouldn't celebrate. It's not that we make fun of people because of their bodies, but we at the same time, we, we shouldn't celebrate, you know, people who, uh, again, their their body shape or whatever is, is putting them at risk. It's, it's nothing necessarily to aspire to. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Body shaming. I mean, is, is it body shaming to say, I don't know, you know, people, if your ideal weight is supposed to be 180 pounds and you're 250 or 260 pounds, we, we shouldn't necessarily glorify that. Is that body shaming? Was Jillian Michaels wrong, in, at least in the overall concept of what she was talking about? I, I think she probably regrets singling out any one particular singer. But but in, in general, have we gotten so far in this country nowadays that pol- it's political correctness and concerns legitimately about body shaming that we can't say, you know what, there, there are certain healthy situations. And, you know, if you're 100 pounds overweight, the, the, the truth of the matter is you're you're looking at problems like later on down down the road in life. And, and maybe you need to think about that. Is that. Is that something that we no longer can do? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a note from Chris. Jeff, I read Jillian's comments last week. She's a fitness expert and is certainly entitled to her opinions. It's getting to the point that you can't speak the truth, common sense, or sound advice because it risks offending people. That's a dangerous place to be in our society. Um, 
Well, yeah. Jeff, I think we need to look at this from Jillian Michaels' point of view. She's a health expert. She isn't in the business of body shaming people. She doesn't want to see anyone overweight. Everyone needs to relax and act like a grown-up. I, I guess that that's sort of how I, I look at it. it. I don't know if it's body shaming to say, okay, you have this, this young woman who's... I, I don't know, setting herself up as she's this role model and she's glorifying her body. And that, that's fine. But can we not say that, okay, maybe, you know, if you're somebody else that's out there, you know, being being overweight is not something that you necessarily want to aspire to. You don't have to apologize for it. Nobody's shaming you of that. But it is going to lead to potentially complications down the line. Is that any different than really saying to somebody, hey, you know, if you're smoking cigarettes, maybe you want to rethink that cigarette smoking thing because, you, you know, 20 years from now, it might come back to haunt you. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Uh, uh, good afternoon. Hi, Vincent. Yeah. The fact is, does she have? Does Jillian Michaels have to be a physician? Doctor Oz, basically on his show every day, talks about obesity and that people are that, that are overweight and the unhealthiness of it. The fact is, no, she's not body shaming. And so the fact is, is she? The fact is, she's pointing out that this is not a healthy way to live. Yeah. And so, and so the fact is, uh, Izzo could be. She could love her body. She could love the way she is. But understand that she has to understand that, that there are health risks to being being that particular size. Right, and for and, other and young so women th- out there who might be saying, "Hey, yes. I mean, this, this, you know, she she's not embarrassed about herself, and she shouldn't be. And maybe it's just something that, well, okay, that's that's all well and good, but th- this is going to cause you problems a decade from now or something. So maybe you want to think this through." Exactly, and then, like I said, doctors and physicians are saying this every day. And so, are, are they body shaming? No, you know, certainly there are idiots out there. But the fact is, is that I think uh, Jillian Michaels was right on point. Yeah, I think, thanks for call, Vincent. Our, our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and I do as well. And maybe she could have made her point without referencing this particular performer. If the performer feels like she's suddenly being singled out. But but in general, you know, th- th- there is this truth that is out there, and, and we all get told that. Okay, so my my doctor says, Jeff, you know, the, these some of these test numbers, you know, we we got to get them down, and the best way to do that is you lose a little bit of weight, and you know, you change your eating habits and and things like that, and your numbers will come down, and you will feel better, and it's going to be healthier. Well, okay, right? Is that is that body shaming that they tell you to do it, or is it just okay? This is kind of the the way it is, and I guess. That's how I look at this. I don't think we should ever allow political correctness to get us in the way of telling the truth. You know, it's one thing to say to somebody, to, to again, mock somebody because of their appearance. It's another thing to say, you know what, you'd, you'd really, people would be healthier if they were closer to, you know, what, what their weight was. People would be healthier if they didn't smoke cigarettes. People would be healthier if they tried to get a little bit of exercise. People would be healthier if they changed their diet to get, you know, some of this stuff out of it. And I understand you can carry it too far and you can, you know, there's a lot of people who preach on the other side about how, well, you know, if you eat this or you eat that, you know, it's, you know, you're going to kill yourself and things like that. I mean, I think it's everything in moderation. But I, I'm fascinated by the story that, again, you have people who, who think that you, you cannot state the truth without, uh, again, being canceled in our culture, to use that phrase, simply by by saying the truth. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Thank you.
We will, at some point in time, revisit the whole issue of impeachment. I, I, I acknowledge it, it kind of wears on me because it's something we've been talking about. It seems like for months and months, maybe years and years. The big development today is the House of Representatives has finally decided to pass the articles of impeachment on to the Senate. The trial, we still don't exactly know the form of it, but it's going to start next Tuesday. And we'll, we'll have plenty of opportunities to discuss that. Part Again, whether there's witnesses or not, and I understand that this makes some people's heads explode, but the reality is President Trump is not going to be removed from office. That's just the reality of this. And if he's removed from office, it's because voters decide to remove him from office next November. So in many respects, what we're going through now, and I understand that the people who want Trump out view that they are heroes defending the Constitution, and people who think that this is a witch hunt believe that those folks are just political sore losers. And we're ultimately... Uh, again, who the next president is going to ultimately be decided by the voters. And so I, I, I just the whole impeachment discussion kind of wears me out because people end up saying the same things over and over again. But the trial will apparently start sometime next week. Don't know how long it's going to take. But by the end of this month, we will have a resolution one way or the other. All right. Let us completely and totally switch gears. I admit when the show aired on NBC, Originally, I was not a fan of Friends. Gru, did you watch Friends, or was that before your time? Was that before your time, or, or just when it was on originally? It was a show that my mom loved. Your, your mom loved Friends. Okay, I just never got into it. I, I just, I, I'd never seen it. I, I won't say never seen it. I knew who the characters were, but I never watched it on a regular basis. That sort of changed when I got married, because my lovely wife is very, very much into Fran, into friends. Fran is into friends. Fran's friends are into friends. I mean, to the point that, you know, we'll, we'll go out to dinner with, I know, some of her friends, and, and they'll, we'll, we'll end up talking, they'll talk about the friends in this episode and how they love this. And, and it doesn't matter that they've seen the episodes five or ten times. They watch them again, over and over and over again. With the exception, the, the, the only thing had an appeal about the Hallmark movies when the Hallmark Christmas movies came on is it's because when I came to bed, she was watching the Hallmark Christmas movies, not Friends. But now that the Hallmark Christmas movies are gone, we're back to Friends. So I'll, I'll come in and they'll, they'll be on. Friends airs a lot on some of the cable channels. Um, it's on Nick at Night. It's on for about five hours a night, I think, on weeknights. TBS airs about 50 episodes of Friends per week. So if if you want your fix of Friends, it's out there. But if you're watching it over cable television, you don't get to pick which episodes you watch. You, you watch the episode that they run. Friends has been, for years, the most popular show on Netflix, the streaming service. Netflix paid just really stupid money, several millions dollars to, for the right, just for a one-year right to, to stream Friends just last year. That has expired. Netflix, you can no longer stream Friends on Netflix. Why? It's because the, the company that controls the rights to um, to Friends, they're starting their, their own streaming service um, in like six months. And so what, what's happening is that it's going to be on like HBO Max in six months when HBO Max kind of launches big time. So right now it's off of Netflix 
and it, you can't stream it anywhere, um, at least not in the United States, because it's not going to be on this HBO Max streaming service for another six months. So if if you're used to just being able to go and binge watch Friends whenever you want, you can't do it through streaming anymore. Now, I bring this up because I have in my hand, I have in my hand a half dozen stories which have appeared well, in places like the Wall Street Journal and a lot of other places over the course of the last two weeks, talking about how, how people are just completely and totally devastated by the fact that they can't go out and stream Friends anymore. So what they're doing is they're, you know, you, you can order, you know, the, the whole DVD set, you know, all the 240 plus episodes or however many there are, you, you can buy the DVDs, you can bring them in so you can still watch them, but it's different than the streaming service. But clearly, given the popularity of the show, this is something that has hit a nerve. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is a huge issue to Friends fans because, again, you can't stream it anymore. And it was one of the things that drove a lot of people to Netflix. So what I would like to discuss with you is, all right, what is the appeal of this show that, that again, you know, would cause Netflix to spend all the money it spent to try to keep it, that uh, causes HBO Max to think, hey, this is the show that was, we're trying to build our streaming service, we can build it around. I mean, you're talking a show that's been off the air for a long time. Everybody who's a fan of this has probably seen all the episodes ten times, but people can't get enough of it. All right, are you a Friends fan? What is the appeal of this show why why are people so bummed out that at least for the next six months or so, if they want to watch whatever Friends episode that they want to watch, when they want to watch it, they've got no choice but to go buy DVDs of this. And you've already got a show that's airing, I don't know, 50 um, episodes per week on TBS, five hours per night on Nick at Night, and that's not enough. All right, Friends fans of Wisconsin of the world, if you're listening on the streaming. What is it about this show that has struck such a nerve? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you, it, it, this is a multi-generational appeal because just like I say, my wife and her friends love it. My wife's daughter and her daughter's friends, they, they love it. This is a multi-generational thing. This TV show has struck a nerve. What is it that's done this? Friends fans, let's talk about it. Back with more in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. As a student of pop culture, I'm fascinated by what what takes off and what doesn't. And the story about the TV show Friends is is one of them. I mean, Friends has been, you know, off the air for, you know, years and years and years. And it remains as popular as it ever was, maybe even more so, to the point that you've got all these people who are now irate that you can't stream it on Netflix anymore, and it's not going to go to a new service for six months, and the five uh, hours of shows they show on Nick at night every night isn't enough, and the 50 shows they show on TBS isn't enough, and people are going, where am I going to get my fix of friends? What What is it about this show? Charlie and Fond du Lac. Charlie, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, the um, I mean it's it's a very quirky show, and um, my favorite episode is the Thanksgiving one 
where Joey ends up with the uh, turkey on his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no frame of reference for this, Charlie. I guess I, I, I just what what is? I mean, okay, what what is it? I mean, there, there's lots of shows out there that are funny or were successful. What is it that you think has given this show the the legs that that it has that people want to watch it over and over and over again? Well, it's I I, I don't don't know exactly how to say it, but I mean it's it's a very unusual show. It's it's yeah. like. Seinfeld only uh, it's like Seinfeld but only different. Well, it, I mean, thanks. So. I mean, it's it's Seinfeld, but it's not as mean. And and I, I like Seinfeld. Don't don't get me wrong, but but Seinfeld's edgy and Seinfeld's Seinfeld's kind of mean in its own way. Um, I I will tell you, I'm surprised that Seinfeld has has stayed the test of time. When, when Seinfeld was on originally, I thought, okay, this is going to be a show for its era, and it's not going to have legs. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is I was wrong. I mean, that the Seinfeld episodes today play just as well as they did when they first aired 15 or 20 years ago. But this Friends phenomena is incredible. Seinfeld's amazingly popular as well, but, but not not like Friends was. Uh, here's a text. Jeff, the appeal of Friends is simply, it's funny. A lot of the shows they put on now are about using foul language or sexual material that it's not funny. It just gets a reaction. Friends is relatable, and it makes me laugh. Hmm. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. James in Milwaukee. Hi, James. You're on WTMJ. How you doing, Jeff? Real well, thank you, sir. Well, I think I think the thing is, I think you've got uh, Jennifer Aniston and you've got uh, Courtney Cox that are two act- actresses that uh, were, uh, how you say, starting off uh, when, when Friends came out, came about. Right. And I think the the other two uh, guys, Joey and the other one, Matt, um, the other one in there, uh, came about too. And the two uh, the other two are kind of lesser actors and actresses. But you also got Rachel and Rachel and. Ross, it's kind of like watching um, Cheers with uh, Sam Malone and uh, yeah. what, what's her name? Uh, uh, right, that, right, uh, yeah, the Diane character. And, and, yeah. and I think that's Sully a draw. Long. I think that's a draw type of thing, and it's kind of quir- uh, like they just said quirky and stuff like that because it fits the millenniums of of their quirkiness and their meanness and their yes and no and the way that they act and the way that they, you know. <laughs> Kind of hand, uh, kind of carry on these days. I think well, that's it, what it does, right? They, well, of course, but it, yeah, but carry on these days. But of course, at the same time, this is a show from a couple decades ago. Here's a text, Jeff. It's young, attractive people dealing with day to day issues. We see ourselves as we want to be versus you know what we are. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the deal. This is okay. We we can all relate to some of these different characters. Jeff, Friends was the last show we used to have to wait every week for a new episode. You could not binge watch it, and you were kind of at the behest of the television station. As a pre millennial, I would say it's my generation's Cheers or Mash. I would say it's my generation's Cheers or Mash. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that there's. I think that there's probably something to that, um, th- this incredible, you know, appeal that the show, that the show ends up having, and 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 maybe you know maybe it was Mash or or maybe it was Cheers, and maybe that's all kind of personified. But I I admit, as somebody who didn't see it the first time around, and look, it, it's just it's always on at my house. I mean, it's always on at my house. So I I mean, I see some of the shows, um, and and. 
I, I guess I, I think it's it's cute and it's it's sort of harmless. I mean, I, I understand that and it's not going to be offensive and, you know, it's, it's kind of a harmless way to kill, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. And so I, I understand that. I, I admit I'm not one of these guys that understands, though, why, um, you know, why, you know, why people are you know, just uh, that, that you're going to run out and buy all seven seasons because you can't wait three or four months till it comes out on HBO, uh, HBO Max. Uh, Jeff, it's um, it's borderline wholesome. It's non-political. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it, it's non-political. And yeah, it's I mean, there's a little bit of sexual innuendo in it, but it, it's not. It, it's not like the TV shows are nowadays. Bottom line is, if you right now are going through, you know, a friend's fix, and you're going, oh "My God, they've they've taken it off of Netflix, and I can't wait six months." Um, you, you can probably get all all the seasons by again the DVDs, probably seventy or eighty bucks, and, and if you don't have them already, there's this story in one of the things I was looking at. Somebody bought all the DVDs. But then was upset because maybe the DVDs would like warp or crack or the DVD player might break. So what they did is they then took all the DVDs and they inputted them into their computer. So they have them all on the computer as well so they can watch them anytime. Um, I appreciate being a fan. There's a difference, though, between being a fan and being obsessive. And, and maybe maybe that's where that line is. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, it's no secret I am not a fan of the hundred-plus million-dollar hop. I think it's a giant boondoggle and things like that. It's also dangerous. This is a true story. I just was out in the hall during the break, went and got a cup of coffee, and I, I came by one of our colleagues. Uh-huh who you know, works on the, the TV side. I'm not going to mention names or anything. And his shoulder's in a sling. He's walking around with his arm in a sling. He said, hey, Jeff, how you doing? I said, I'm, I'm okay. I said, what, what happened? He said, the hop. Nuh-uh. I, I, I'm not making this up. I said, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Said. He said, the hop. I said, oh, what do you no. mean? He said, I was riding a mountain bike, and my tire oh, got no. caught in one of the hop tracks, mm-hmm. and it just like stopped, and it flipped me, and oh. he fell off. And he said, I said, I fell off, and it, it broke a collarbone. He said, I, I hit it, I guess, at the wrong angle. I, I thought... You know, I, I thought I was going to be able to get over it, but the, apparently the tracks are wide enough, so they eat the, if the you tire, don't hit it yeah, at the right yeah. angle. He said, so I was coming down there, I, I hit it the wrong angle, it got stuck, it just stopped my bike, I f- got flipped off and I broke my collarbone. Oh, that's horrible. And I said, I hear that's happening a bit. And he says, yeah, it's happening a lot. He said, I just, he said, I, I and he wasn't anti-hop or pro-hop, I'm thinking, okay, not only collectively are, are fewer and fewer people riding it, not only is it a boondoggle, but it is a danger in downtown Milwaukee. I thought you were going to say you got pushed off the hop or something like no, that. No, but, no, but no. That's, get, that's a no, bad story. No, to get pushed off the yeah. hop, you have to ride the hop. And there's, <laughs> that's I mean, that's a, oh, I mean no. it's not like the thing is going to be so crowded that you're going to be jockeying for position or anything. It does but, go pretty slow, too. So I'll take your word for it. I mean, like like, like I say, I, you know, I, 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 every, every, and this is honest, goodness, true story. I know that there are people who ride it. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Every time. Every time I have been downtown and I've seen it go by us, I have never seen a person on there. And that is an honest-to-God true story. Never. Now, I, I, I appreciate that, that there are people that ride it. I mean, I was watching TV last night, and there was, 
you know, some guy, and they were saying, oh, do you ride the hop? He says, yeah, me and my buddies, you know, we, we use it to go bar hopping. And I thought, how nice. You know, we're, we're spending $100-plus million, so you and some of your buddies can go bar hopping. What a wonderful use of resources. Well, it's interesting, around Christmas time, I got stuck behind the hop following it because it was going the same direction I was going, and right. so it was really slow, but... You know, well, there I, were people on it then. I was going, um, I, I took my wife, she was taking the 8 o'clock train to Chicago on Saturday, and Saturday morning was a, was a crummy morning, and I was, oh gosh, going down Clyburn, I think, mm-hmm. I was getting, going to the train station, and the hop was coming northbound on whatever, and I, I honestly don't remember what street it was, but they, they must be able to adjust the lights, so it adjusted the lights so it could go through, and it it. As a result of that, I mean, I just waited forever and ever and ever for the light to turn green right. because I missed the cycle going through there. Shoot, I wish I had one of those buttons. Yeah, just to kind of, <laughs> Wouldn't kind that, be of nice? do that. So okay, so the button. But bottom line is, nobody's riding it. It's inconveniencing people uh, in their cars, and if you're riding a bike, it's like a war zone down there. That's what we do. Let's expand this. Okay, uh, let us completely and totally switch gears. I wish people didn't have to go to jail. But you know what? If you do bad things, I have no sympathy for you. Here is the deal. Right now in the Wisconsin state prison system, we average about 24,500 inmates. That's a lot of people in prison. At the same time, the people that are in prison belong in prison. You have to work to get yourself put into prison in Wisconsin. You have to either... Commit crime after crime after crime, or you have to commit really bad crimes. But in most cases, it's people who've done both. In most cases, it's people who've done really bad things, and they've done all sorts of stuff beforehand. But but those are the two rules. If you think that the prisons are filled with people who got busted with a, you know, a, a couple marijuana joints, that's just not the reality. I understand that some people might want to make that argument, but that's just not the truth. The vast majority of people who are in prison belong in prison. The governor of the state of Wisconsin has announced one of his priorities is to reduce the prison population by half as quickly as he possibly can, meaning going from 24,005 inmates down to like 12,000 inmates. The only way you do that is by, number one, letting a lot of people out of prison early, and number two, reducing the new people that are going into prison dramatically because there's people coming out and there's people going in all the time. There are dueling theories right now in the state. The Republicans have just come out with a series of new bills. Um, and, And what they would essentially do is they would put more people in prison. They would require the Department of Justice to recommend revoking people's parole or supervision if they're charged with a crime. So you're out on parole, you commit another crime, yeah, you, you'd, you'd be going back in. They would also prohibit certain violent criminals from qualifying for early release or early discharge. So if you're a multiple-time felon, you get caught, you're, you're not going to be eligible for early release. The governor of the state of Wisconsin has said that he's, he's not going to support any bill which would result in more people going to prison. All right. He's committed to reducing the number of people that are in prison and a number of the Democrats in the state legislature. They're on board with this. They're talking about let's get early release. Let's get more people out. Let's make it tougher to send people to prison. Let's provide more of these different alternatives. 
two philosophies. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I admit I'm an old school guy, and, and to me, there's no school like the old school. I think it is the height of irresponsibility to talk about massive reductions in the prison population. Again, my premise is most of the people that are in prison belong in prison. They are either dangerous people or they are people who have repeatedly violated the law for whom alternatives haven't worked. And you know what? Once you get yourself sent to prison, I I think you should serve out your term. And this idea that you finally go to jail and you get a five-year prison sentence, that we're going to let you out in two years or three years, to me, that's wrong. And, And yes, I know that might require us to build more prisons. But you know what? I'm sick of people, innocent, law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. I'm sick of them being victims of crime. Number one, we should be talking about public safety. And for the governor and some of his allies to say, okay, I want the goal to be let's reduce the prison population in half, I think it is the height of irresponsibility. And anybody who has been a crime victim, I think, would agree with me on that. We have, what was the story we were talking about yesterday? The, the woman in Shorewood who lets, leaves her car in her alley, in the alley, runs in to get her lunch. She comes out 22 seconds later, the car is gone. You know darn well that the people who stole that car, they've been stealing other cars. They haven't been, you know, and my guess is if they ever catch them, and that's a big if, you're going to find a lengthy criminal record and they're still back out on the street. Are we going to say enough is enough? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, it, big story in the Madison paper today uh, about uh, about this. Oh, it, the, 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 the dichotomy in approaches. You've got the Democrats and Tony Evers who are committed to trying to release as many people as they can from the state prison system. They would like to reduce the number in half as soon as possible. And the Republican legislators who are introducing legislation which would toughen our approach on crime, making it more difficult for people who, for example, have been released on some form of supervision who commit crimes, making it more difficult for them to stay out on the street. Gee, what a revolutionary thing. You, you know, you go to prison, you get out on supervised, some form of supervised release, you commit a crime. Yeah, of course you should be going back to prison. I mean, th- this is just... I mean, it seems to me as self-evident. In addition, what the Republicans are trying to do is tighten the type of people who could be who could qualify for forms of early release, including making it more difficult for people who've committed gun crimes and things like that to be released early. The flip side is no. Let let's let's let people out of jail sooner because it costs a lot. Now, here, here's my reaction to this. I appreciate. That you 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 know it, it's expensive to keep people in prison, but but here's here's the thing: what you need to do is you you need to then make a commitment that say, okay, well, you know, we're we're going to have facilities, and we'd rather spend the money on all sorts of other things. But the truth of the matter is, if you're going to be out there and you're going to be committing crimes, well, you're, you're going to have to pay penalties. And one of the things that I think we find on a regular basis is probation and double secret probation and triple probation. It doesn't work. 
it doesn't make people safer. All it does is embolden the criminals to go out and to continue to commit crimes. How often do we have the stories of the carjackings or the fleeing or the drug dealing or the shootings or whatever? And you just know you know it's not going to be the person's first time at the rodeo. And again, I understand that there's this image that's out there that's being portrayed that, oh, you have all these innocent people that are sitting in prison, or you have all these people that are sitting in prison for these minor offenses, and that's just not the reality. People aren't sitting in prison for small amounts of marijuana. They're just not. Now, There might be people that are in prison for committing what you might consider to be relatively minor crimes, but only, only after they've been through the system time after time after time. This idea of letting people go, let's turn people loose, let's give people the chances, let's sing Kumbaya, let's give them all sorts of alternatives. I'm okay with that at an initial level. But at some point in time, we've got to realize that part of the role of a criminal justice system is to protect the rest of us. And and yeah, it's expensive to put people behind bars. I understand that. But if the alternative is having people out there carjacking people or breaking into homes or shooting other folks for whatever reason, well, okay, then I, I vote with keeping them behind bars. And I think it is completely and totally irresponsible to pander to a certain element by saying, hey, what we're going to do is we want to reduce the prison population in half, and look, we'll, we'll save all this money. All right, I'm, I'm all in favor of saving money, but not if it comes at the expense of, again, public safety. And that's where we have been. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Want a story about a guy who should have been behind bars? You might remember this. Um, Late last year, there was a situation where you had the guy around Pfizer Forum it was the hit and run where you had somebody who was making a turn and ended up plowing into this family of four. Uh, two of the, the children, it, they ended up in, this was November, I guess, early November. Uh, two of the children, the eight and the five-year-old, um, they ended up in the hospital because, you know, they were, were hit. The mom and dad, they, they were, they weren't seriously injured, but they were shaken up pretty badly. What happened was, um, the guy who was driving the car ended up hitting them and, and then driving off. And, and this case has been hanging fire for a couple of months. And at one point in time, the DA's office said that they they weren't going to be able to bring charges because they, they couldn't prove who was driving. That's all changed. And they've now issued charges. As a matter of fact, the charges came down yesterday against a guy named Christopher Covington. Um, prosecutors said stuff that they found on his phone, including Instagram videos, placed him in the driver's seat at the location of the crash at the time it, it happened. According to the complaint, Covington's mother and a front seat passenger told investigators he fled after running over these kids because, wait for it, he was wanted by police. 
In other words, it wasn't his first time at the rodeo. The, the investigation appears to be re- very thorough. This was a rental car. They were able to get um, the, the li- it was a Texas license plate on a rental car. The authorities were able to you know go back. They were able to track down where the rental car came from. They were able to you know identify you know who had the car. Covington was interviewed by investigators on November 11th. He offered several different versions of events, including that a friend was driving and that he was asleep in the back. I wasn't driving. I was sleeping in the back, officer. Um, so ultimately, they they had a problem. The police, they knew this. the car was associated with him. They had problems, though, proving that he was driving as opposed to somebody else. Ultimately, though, they got his phone and data that, that allowed them to believe that they can prove that the guy was you know guilty. And so they've gone ahead, brought the prosecution of, of him. There's also Instagram videos that, that tend to make the case. But here's the interesting thing about this. All right, so now you have this guy who's run over children and who has fled. Online court records show that he was convicted in August of resisting or obstructing an officer. He was sentenced to 12 months probation, which was withheld. And he was ordered to serve 30 days in the House of Correction with Huber release. So, okay, he's convicted of this. By the way, he was convicted in August of 2015 of maintaining a drug trafficking place. So, all right, he's, they put him on probation. They say you got to do 30 days in the House of Correction. But... You're going to get Huber release, so we're going to let you out during the day, and you have to do 25 hours of community service. Court records show that on October 15th, he failed to appear at the House of Correction, and his privileges were revoked. But presumably, you know, he's still out on the street. So that that shows you what this this monitoring. So he he doesn't show up. He's out on the street. They haven't been able to catch him. And then, you know, a month later, he drives through an intersection, hits two kids, and then drives off because, hey, I'm wanted by the police because I walked away from this House of Correction thing. All right. Maybe if the guy had been sent directly to the House of Correction in the first place, if he hadn't been given the opportunity to pass go, to turn himself in, to be on one of these programs that he had no intention of following, maybe just maybe. He wouldn't have been behind the wheel of the car that night at Pfizer Forum. He wouldn't have gone through the intersection, and he wouldn't have hit the two children. But but no, we want to find alternatives to incarceration. We want to give people second and third and fourth chances, and then then we want to give them opportunities to commit more crimes. Yeah, that, look, that, do we have a problem with a prison population that is unreasonably large? But it's not because we're not sending people, enough people to prison. It's because we've got too many people that don't give a rat's rump about anybody else, commit crimes with impunity, and don't think there's going to be consequences.